Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Do you bleed green? Are you an ultimate Eagles football fan? Well, you're in the right place. Well, you're in the right place. <laughs> This is Birds 365, hosted by the new Mac and Mac, Jody McDonald and John McMullen. And here we go, here we go! Who collectively have covered and talked about more than 50 plus years of Eagles football. Kick off your day with Birds 365. You'll get debate. We love to argue. You'll get the real story from inside the locker room. And you'll hear from some of the great football minds from around the region. You're about to become an Eagles insider. Get in the game. Join Jody Mack and Johnny Mack and join the football community that flocks to Birds 365. Birds 365 starts right now. Welcome to the NFL. Let's go! Let's go! 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 Welcome in Monday morning, Birds 365 show. Welcome, Birds 365 flock. Don't adjust your screens. Uh, that's not Jody McDonald. That is my buddy, Tone DeShields, the typical producer of this show, stepping in for Jody Mac. Now, we have to say this, Tone, right off the bat, because everybody's going to say Jody didn't wake up because Jody didn't wake <laughs> up for one show. Over our first 300 or so, uh, or so shows, I think we're at 295. Um, he's not, he is up, so you don't have to worry about Jody oversleeping, but he is having some technical issues, so we're going to be working on that. Maybe he comes in, maybe he doesn't, uh, but I'm thrilled to have you, Tone. Welcome uh, to the program. Obviously, behind the scenes, Tone does all the heavy lifting. Uh, but he does his own podcast, so he's he's used to this kind of stuff. And I want to introduce him to all the listeners. Welcome, Tone, to Birds 365. Hey, John. Thanks for having me. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting because I used to watch this show regularly before I, before I became a Jacob Sports team member, right? And, uh, you know, you said this is episode 295 for you guys. I think this is this, – so, so this is episode one for me. So, um you know, yeah, first first time for everything and uh, looking, for, looking, looking forward to this opportunity because there's so much really to get into when it comes to the Eagles. I know it's the off season, especially that that brief, that, that that weird limbo window between OTAs and training camp. And that's and that's the time where we have to become our most creative as not just beat reporters like yourself, but content creators like myself as well. Yeah, and I think, you know, I, I'd like to joke, this is list season tone. You've heard Jody and I say that. we got a couple more lists we're going to talk about the Eagles. And it, it's interesting because from Philadelphia's perspective, the 
the expectations of this team, it's been sort of one of the themes in the offseason. It continues. Um, Pro Football Focus has the Eagles wide receivers, top five, I think, uh, number four. I have to double check, but top five group. And uh, the 33rd team, which are our buddy Paul Domowicz uh, writes for, uh, Joe Banner, Mike Tannenbaum, they did their top offensive line list. I took a look at that at Jacob Sports so people can read that. But the Eagles, no surprise to anyone, are a tier one offensive line um, with three other teams. So when you talk about a 32-team league, and you're in top five at these positions, uh, that's that's pretty good. So maybe as we get towards this offseason and we continue to move towards training camp, which starts July 26th, I believe, is the reporting date, um, maybe maybe this hype is justified. You're, you know, certainly it's justified at certain positions. And it's been a long time since anybody was talking about the Eagles having one of the best receiving groups in this league. Absolutely. And, you know, for me, when you think about it in a vacuum, right, like you said, like from, from, from a position group basis, you know, the Philadelphia Eagles can actually compete with most of these and most of these teams. Uh, like you said, the, the wide receiver group, you have an A.J. Brown, a Devontae Smith, a Quez Watkins who's up and coming. Uh, but even outside of the, res- the role, the wide receiver room, I believe the list also included tight ends as well. And when you think about what Dallas Goddard brings to the table, you can't help but to think highly of what this team can do, especially just A.J. Brown's presence alone creates mismatches for the opponent because even if he doesn't have a catch in the game, he's going to demand so much attention on the other side of that field, which is then going to make life easier for Devontae Smith. And then – Quez Watkins can easily run up the seams, split the cover two, and go deep. Or then you have, or you have Dallas Goddard who can catch catch balls across the middle. This team has become very versatile in their wide receiver room, and I think I believe that's the that's been the theme of this offseason is versatility. Versatility. What do you think? Yeah, I do. I mean, at, well, number one, I think when you talk to this coaching staff, particularly at certain positions, certainly offensive, defensive line, you always talk about Jeff Stoutland, uh, Jonathan Gannon. Uh, these these guys want versatile players, and they want guys to be able to play different positions. Um, now, there's certain, obviously, you know, there are certain positions where you're not looking for versatility. Wide receiver, you can talk about moving in and out from – you know, X to Z to flex and, and and being able to line up. And and I know coaches like to pay lip service to that, but look, there's certain guys like A.J. Brown, you know, you, you don't want him in the slot. You want to take advantage of his big body and his ability to get outside the numbers. And, and for that matter, you know, Quez Watkins, you know, maybe the only issue you look at in that top three receiving group uh, tone is, okay, where does Quez fit? Because he's really an outside receiver. You know, he can run, he can run by everybody, but he's probably best suited for this team to go in the slot if he can do it simply because Devontae Smith, who you know can do it, do you really want to waste him as a slot receiver too much? You know, it's okay if you do it every once in a while. 
but you want him outside the numbers as well. And, and in theory on paper, um, you know, you want AJ and, 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 and Devonte to be the flanker uh, and, and, and the split end. And you want somebody, whether that's Quez Watkins or maybe it's going to be Zach Pascal. to be honest. I think people don't talk about that enough uh, as the main slot receiver. And Nick Sirianni is always going to talk about, you know, we want to move these guys around. We want to have them each in every position. And maybe that turns out to be exactly that because at some point you just, I guess want to want to let talent go. So, you know, this has always been one of one of my biggest concerns, really dating back to when Doug Peterson was still here, Tone, and the fact that not only has this team's inability to find a, a receiver been troubling, the fact that they haven't been able to do it in this era is is really troubling because Let's face it, this is the offensive era of football. This is the passing era of football. Everybody's got receivers. It's easy to find receivers. So if you look around the NFL, the Eagles haven't had a 1,000-yard receiver since Jerry Jeremy Macklin in 2014. 2014. Correct. That is unbelievable. Other than the Jets... The Jets are the other outlier. Um, Brandon Marshall, 2015. They also had Eric Decker. They had two in 2015. Everybody else, it's 2019 at worst, 2020, 2021. You get the Giants, who are a terrible team. You got to go back to 2018. I'm looking at my list here, Twenty the OBJ. Um, so they have to go back to 2018. Every other team, it's 2019, at worst, 2020, or 2021. The Eagles have to go back to 2014. What I mean, that's a thousand yard receiver. That, that, that speaks to the malpractice at the GM position at times, you know. And look, I'm, I'm really big on giving Howard Roseman credit when he deserves it. And I'm also really big on also you know, letting him have it. And you know, this is with all due respect. You know, there there have just been times where Howard Roseman has overthought the the role as GM when it came to evaluating the wide wide receiver position. Perfect example, and the most recent example is the Jalen Rager and Justin Jefferson, you know, uh, debacle. And you know, I'm one of those people who used to be very critical of Jalen Rager, and I've come to a point where I'm starting to, I guess, ease up on him because at this point we know what we know, and um, it's it. I think it'd be a bit un, unjust and unfair for me to continue to criticize him, especially knowing the way the team is built now. He's, you know, by the, by the war of attrition and by circumstance, he has dropped down the depth chart. And like you said, we've gone since 2014 without having a thousand yard wide receiver, and we came this close with Devontae Smith, this close. But again, you think about the, like you said, this is this is the the time of the list, and. The Eagles were ranked fourth with their receiving core, A.J. Brown, Devonta Smith, Quez Watkins, Dallas Goddard. They even mentioned Rago on the list. I'm surprised. I thought they probably would have mentioned Zach Pascal. So that, 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 that threw me for a loop. But in a, in a vacuum, yes, <clears throat> this, this Philadelphia Eagles has top five groups. But when you think about it outside of the vacuum, can this team put it together? And you can have a top flight receiving core as much as you would like. 
but do you have someone who can get them the ball on a regular basis? I'm of the mindset of I want Jalen Hurst to succeed because if he does succeed, this puts this team in a much better position in the long run. But if he doesn't succeed, we have to be okay with that, and we have to be willing to move on as as a fan base and, you know, just just in general. But, you know, I, 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 want, I want to get your thoughts on on something since we're talking about lists. You know, we mentioned the receivers. We mentioned the offensive line. We, we know we know our offensive line is top flight since last for the past several years. But I, I have a question for you. There's a list I compiled and I've been thinking about since yesterday. Who, who in your mind are your top five most important Eagles entering the 2022 season? Uh, that's it. Well, number one is easy. Uh, and that's the quarterback and it's always the quarterback that's everywhere. But, you know, most important, obviously it's arguably the most important position in all of sports, I guess. Um, you know, if you're a baseball fan, starting pitcher on a particular day, maybe, um, maybe in the conversation as far as most important, uh, player, but that's once every five days, you know, your quarterback. And as we're talking about those receivers, look, we now know, as people have said, pro football focus. Okay, we know, and, and Nick Sirianni has said this as well, Tone, um, there's no projection with A.J. Brown. Typically, you're projecting with young players, like Jordan Davis, a first-round pick. Tremendous upside, but right, it's still a projection. We have to see it. There's no projection with A.J. Brown. You've already seen it. You know what he is. You know he can produce in this league. Same thing with Devontae Smith. A little bit more projection because he's a young player. But right. you saw how good he was as a rookie player. So now, you know, I always say receivers are at the mercy. They need a vehicle to get them to football. They can't do it themselves. Now you can do a manufactured touch. You can you can do an end around, but you know what I'm saying. Right. For them to do their job, they need a vehicle to get them the football. Can Jalen Hurts be that consistent vehicle to get AJ Brown and Devontae Smith the football consistently? That to me is the number one uh issue uh with the Philadelphia Eagles. Number one, not issue, but thing we have to answer. So when you talk about most important, number one is easy. Then it starts to get cloud. Um, okay, who's 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 more valuable? Who's less valuable? One, I'm going to say off the bat, that's probably going to open some eyes, is Jordan Davis. And I'm wow, we're on the same page here, John. Yeah. I had to cut you off, but I had yeah. Jalen Hurts number one. I had Jordan Davis number two. Yeah. And, and, and the reason for that is because – Jordan Davis is the key to Jonathan Gannon's vehicle. Yes, he is. And I don't yeah. think people realize it. They and don't. I wrote about this at, at jacobsports.com. People can check that out at, at jacobsports.com. Um, people are looking at um, the Eagles defense, and they always talk about Jonathan Gannon, and they look at Mike Zimmer, understandably so, Matt Eberflus, understandably so. He's not going to run that defense. He doesn't want to run that defense. He wants to run Big Fangio's defense, which is, by the way, thirty over 30% of the league wants to run Big Fangio's defense. And when, you know, Vic has decided to take this year off, 
uh, and when he comes back next year, if nobody wants to hire him to be a head coach, he's going to set up the biggest bidding war in the history of coordinators in this league. Um, but people say, what's the connection? The connection is Brandon Staley. For people that don't know, uh, Brandon Staley was an outside linebackers coach under uh, uh, Big Bangio, and Sean McVay hired Brandon Staley. Now, what's the connection there for people that don't know? Brandon Staley and Jonathan Gannon are best friends. They've known each other since they were 10 years old playing AAU basketball in the Cleveland area. Wow. They were in each other's wedding. That's how close they are. Um, Jonathan Gannon helped uh, uh, Brandon Staley get his first coordinator job in college at John Carroll. They are peas in a pod. And they believe the same thing with defensive football. Now, we're not going to have time. We're going to get into this later in the show before our first break, but just real quick, and we'll we'll dive deeper into it later, Tom. But um, Sean McVay, the first time he went to the Super Bowl, which is his second year as a head coach, he was destroying this league, destroying this league, till he hit Big Fangio. And Big Fangio kind of shut him down. The Patriots copied the plan. The rest is history in the Super Bowl. They held the Rams to three points. Sean McVay specifically went to Brandon Staley and said, run Vic Fangio's defense. And that's how that happened. Um, so that's where Jonathan Gannon wants to go. That's why you need anybody who watches Vic. They play this sort of uh, um, hybrid 3-4 Four, three could be a five-man front, could be a six-man front. That's what they did to stop the Rams back in the day. They used the six-man front. Um, versatility is something we we've talked about, and we'll get into this later uh, in the program because I do want to get into your list of of the most important players on the Eagles. But I see Ed Kratz has jumped into the green room, so I want to jump to our first break uh, after the program. Fresh from Niagara Falls, by the way, uh, Ed Kratz will join Birds Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. At Action News, we cherish every moment, and it's our profound responsibility to bring you closer to your world. Never miss a moment. Trust the people at Action News. In Philadelphia, we celebrated the miracle with pride only five years ago, and then the following morning. 
IBEW Local 98 members went back to work, building this city, rescuing our communities from decay, and inspiring the young men and women of the region to take pride in who we are. Like the cats, Local 98 members believe in hope. To learn more about who we are, what we do, and career opportunities with Local 98, visit us, IBEW98.org. All right, did you know I was the Mommy Slam Dunk champion? Really? <laughs> yes, really, don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready. All right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So go to ready, go to look, fake a mom. Mama, go. Oh, mama! She did it. Again. You can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh huh. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Go for the midnight tears. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resorts. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Uh-oh. We're still having technical difficulties, Jody. Can you hear me? You're, you're, you're very spotty coming in and out. How, do you hear, Jody, Ed? Same as you, John. Very spotty in and out. Very spotty. Jody's been having internet issues since uh, big storms here in South since Jersey. Yesterday, yeah. Yeah, there I, we go. There let you me, are. You got me better? Is that any better? Yeah. You still... Yeah. Got issues with me? All right, that's good. Hopefully, we can do this. Uh, first things first, Ed, do you want to join me? Uh oh, spotty again. Mm. We might have to. We might have to drop Jody out and see if he can come back in town. Uh, and between time, we'll talk. Ed and I'll talk. We're used to that. Yeah. Uh, first of all, as I said. Fresh off Niagara Falls, world traveler. You got the passport out. You're going across the border to Canada. Uh, how was the trip, buddy? Well, first of all, John, let me wish you a happy birthday. I believe uh, that was uh, yesterday. Nothing. Yeah, it was yesterday. Yeah. Thanks, everyone, by the way. Yeah. Uh, 40 years old again, huh? It's nice. Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah. I appreciate um, nothing to celebrate at this age, but I appreciate <laughs> everyone. With their yeah. well wishes. Yeah, I'm a big birthday guy. I celebrate each and every one, not as like I used to, uh, you know, with a, a beer in each hand, but uh, I still celebrate. I um, I did have a beer in each hand at one point. That's about you. all I do to nice. celebrate. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah. So, yeah, the, I went to the Hockey Hall of Fame. Uh, wasn't the, I've been to the Pro Football Hall of Fame in Canton. I've been to the Basketball Hall of Fame in Springfield, Mass., and now I've been to the Hockey Hall of Fame in Toronto, which was really cool. Haven't been to Cooperstown, though, the Baseball Hall of Fame. Now, that um, shocks me. I, that, uh, would be, that would be the one, you know, for me, the Pro Football Hall of Fame is, is the biggest. But, you yeah. know, for most people, I think baseball would be the number one Hall of Fame, and it's relatively close. I'm surprised Ed Kratz hasn't been to the Baseball Hall of Fame. 
Yeah, I you know I don't know why that is. Just opportunity, I guess. Um, you know, I, I used to I covered something in Canton and saw the Pro Football, and that's still to me the top Hall of Fame out there. And I'd put the Hockey Hall of Fame second. I really, I'm a big hockey fan, big ice hockey fan. I played the sport on the street, street not the ice. I played street hockey uh, as a kid. Do they have uh, a street hockey wing in, yeah. in the Hall of Fame? <laughs> Not that I was able to locate, uh, but I didn't get through the whole thing. I have to say I was only in there for about an hour. Uh, probably need more like two hours to see the whole thing. But what I saw was pretty awesome. Um, and it was a good trip and glad to be back. And uh, thanks for covering those Eagles. Uh, I've been reading all, all your work. And, uh, you know, SI.com backslash NFL backslash Eagles. I did see you got a picture with the Stanley Cup. Um yeah, Which, it uh, exists. It still yeah. exists. The Flyers Not haven't stuff. seen it for yeah. 40 years, but uh, it's still there. The cup yeah. is still out there. But it's interesting. So, yeah, you're a Philadelphia sports fan in general. And I look at this, the landscape of this city, and I think most people think, you know, for where they were and because they have Joel, Joel Embiid, uh, the Sixers would probably be the closest to being a championship-level team, at least before the playoffs, and people got to see the wards. Um, if I told you the Eagles were the closest professional sports team to a championship, excluding the Philadelphia Union, that's from my buddy Kevin Kincaid of Crossing Broad. I don't want to leave the Union out, but for this exercise, I will. Um are the Eagles the closest to being a, a championship contender? I would I would say yes at this point. Um, although the Phillies resurgence now has me thinking, hey, maybe the Phillies can sneak into the World Series, but that's way too wishful thinking. Um, and, and you're right about the Sixers. You thought with Joel Embiid, maybe uh, they would be the next team, and they still could very well be. But you look at this Eagles team, and you know, I know you have John, and it's a it's a team that. Uh, if everything falls into place this season, they, they could make a push for the Super Bowl. I know the NFC is perceived to be the weaker of the two conferences, and that's true, but you still have the defending champion L.A. Rams in there. Not easy for a team to repeat. I don't think we've had a repeat winner since the Patriots. Yeah. Uh, so it's not easy, right? But the Rams are still a very, very good team. Uh, the, the Bucks with Tom Brady back, you can't discount them. They seem to have every – piece back in place from a season ago uh you know so those are the two strongest teams you have the Packers of course with Aaron Rodgers uh you know they're the number one seed the last two years but still I think the Eagles could be the team that if you look across the NF or the professional landscape in Philadelphia with just the four main sports I know the union a lot of union fans out there and they have a very good club but uh, I think this I think you can make a very strong case that the Eagles will be the next team to win a championship in the in the city and, you know, I'd like to call this uh, list season, Ed. We have the lull, obviously, between OTAs and with the Eagles. There's obviously no mini camp. So now I believe training camp opens July 26th or 27th. I forget. But 26th um, when they report. 26th is when they report. Um and so we have this lull. So, you know, everybody's doing their list. I did a list at Sports Illustrated, the top five sort of unheralded uh, uh, players who kind of showed up in the two two hours we got to see practice as reporters. Um, 
other people are doing their, you know, power rankings and things like that. Couple couple lists I saw over the past couple of days, uh, Ed, speaks to this sort of high expectation level of, of this Eagles team. Wide receiver, uh, which, you know, this team hasn't had a thousand yard receiver in forever. And all of a sudden, Pro Football Focus is projecting they have the fourth best wide receiver group in the entire NFL. They haven't had it, it they haven't had a, 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 a thousand yard receiver since Jeremy Macklin. All of a sudden they get AJ Brown. Everything kind of falls into place. You know, Devontae Smith is going to um uh, uh, improve in year two, and he was very close to that a thousand yards. But all of a sudden, less pressure on him um, as a num- number two receiver versus a number one. And then also at uh, the thirty third team, uh, which is Joe Banner's website, Mike Tannenbaum's website, our old buddy uh, Damo writes for them now. They did their offensive line tier rankings, and to no one's surprise, the Eagles were in tier one with only three other teams. So right there's an example of two positions where some pretty reputable outlets have the Eagles top five in the entire NFL. Um, Now, you know, we can also point to um, some deficiencies, safety, and I don't I don't know if it's fair to say deficiency, but I think it's fair to question whether Jalen Hurts can distribute the football consistently to that good receiving core. So where are you on the expectation level of this team? You know, is it is it are are people I I'd like to use this term, Ed, are people skipping steps with the Eagles? Yeah, I, I'm pretty high with my expectations, I'll say. I, I think they can win 11 games. They won nine last year, and I know they played some quarterbacks that, you know, don't deserve to be, you know, starting quarterbacks in the NFL, and that helped. Um, but I think this roster is better than what they finished the season at last year. We've seen it reflected, like you said, in the receiver rankings. A.J. Brown makes all the difference in the world with this passing offense, in my opinion. Now you have to defend the perimeter, both perimeters. You don't, you just can't load up and double team a Smith or, you know, a Dallas Goddard over the middle. You have to play an honest defense against this team uh, because of those weapons. Now, of course, everything comes back to Jalen Hurts. Is he capable of distributing the football to the playmakers that he has, to this, this vaunted wide receiver class and the very good tight end in Goddard? And you have some backs that can catch the ball out of the backfield with Kenny Gainwell and and Miles Sanders and Boston Scott. Um, so it all is going to come down to Jalen Hurts. You can have these great rankings at every position, but where does Jalen Hurts rank? You know, among the quarterback class, and he, you know, by rankings I've seen, I don't think he's been in the top fifteen. He has to go out and prove that he can be the guy. Um, because he does have a terrific offensive line. I wouldn't argue at all with the thirty third team that has ranked them in the top tier of offensive lines. And that's kind of where it's going to start with this team is, you know, they were able to stay relatively healthy last year. I know they lost Isaac Siamalu uh, for the season very early on, but they had a very capable fill-in in Dickerson. So, uh, and that was a revelation really to see Dickerson play with Jordan Mulata, uh on that left side. That makes them stronger. Now you do have a, 
a spot open at the right guard spot. But again, you have some players that can fill that role with Siamalu moving over and Jack Driscoll. Um, but, you know, so much of the, you know, the health of this offensive line is going to hinge on Jason Kelsey. He's made 124, I think, straight starts. Yeah. You know, he's the anchor. He's the one that's going to make this line uh, what it, everybody expects it to be. But my expectations are pretty high. Um, I know there's holes at safety, uh, you know, but every NFL team has <clears throat> holes that's somewhere on that roster. And the safety just happens to be where it is uh, for Philadelphia. Um, but uh, I think it's a cover. You can cover that hole up with uh, what you have at the corner, what you have at linebacker and what you have on the defensive line. You know, the linebacker group, John, I don't know ranking-wise where they have fallen, but that's a pretty good unit, I think. It has the potential to be uh, very good, this linebacking group. Um, So that's another strong part of this team, I feel. And that's weird to say, just like it's weird to say with the receivers when you haven't had a receiver over 1,000 yards since Jeremy Macklin in 2014. But still, my expectations are high. I think Hurts is a capable quarterback that can get this done. And I think they're an 11 win team. Uh, some people will probably say over that, but my, you know, I want to temper it a little bit, but I think they can win 11 games. Yeah. You know, linebackers interesting to me because it's certainly the best the Eagles have had in a number of years, the group, I think at least on paper, but there is a lot of projection, you know, we don't know if Nicobe Dean is going to be able to step in, you know, and the Eagles started him very slowly. I think people who thought, uh, well, you know, everybody projected him as a potential first round pick and they're going to throw him into the deep end of the pool, which they will do with Jordan Davis. Um, you know, they started him behind TJ Edwards and Kaiser white, which yeah. I don't think surprised many people, but they also, started him behind Davion Taylor and even Christian Ellis. Um, and, you know, are basically saying, okay, Rook, work your way up, which I don't think is necessarily a bad thing. But if I had to sit here on June 13th, and I am sitting here on June 13th, so I'm going to ask you, yeah. who, which one, and I'm going to throw Davion in it, in there as well, because I think, the Eagles like Davion Taylor more than people realize. Um, so you have four linebackers, uh, TJ Edwards, Kaiser White, Davion Taylor, Nicobe Dean. You generally are only going to play two for major snaps. Which two of those four do you think is going to get the most reps from, from Jonathan Gannon? I think TJ Edwards, at least initially, I think Edwards will be the guy that gets the most reps. And, uh, you know, it's interesting, you know, when you look at Kaiser White, uh, you know, I think he's very good. And I think he could be uh, another leader in the rep department there. I think Edwards and and White would probably lead the way, at least early on. Um, Because like you said, with N'Kobe Dean, they're not just going to hand him anything. And when Howie Roseman put this linebacker room together in the offseason, adding Hassan Reddick, adding uh, Kaiser White, he didn't know N'Kobe Dean was going to be sitting there in the third round. He wasn't, you know, kind of intent on saying, yeah, we're going to get N'Kobe Dean in the third round, so let's not sign White or sign Reddick. He, he had no idea that Dean would fall there. But when he fell to, you know, the, you know into the 80s when the Eagles picked in the third round, they, they couldn't not take him. Um, so yeah, right now it looks very strong because they did add Dean, 
Um, and listen, I forgot Hassan Reddick in that mix as far as the reps go. Uh, you know, Reddick. Well, I no, think- I, you know, no, because, you know, if you think about, I don't think you forgot him. If you think about the way the Eagles are splitting this up, and yeah. Jonathan Gannon has explained, they're going to have these overhang players, as he calls them, edge rushers. And and that's sort of a combination of defensive end and and Sam linebacker. So guys like Hassan Reddick and even Patrick Johnson and Kyron Johnson, they're in that room with uh, Jeremiah Washburn getting coached up by him, whereas the linebackers, the off-ball linebackers, the the names we mentioned, the Deans, the Whites, the the Taylors, the Edwards, they're with Nick Rollis. So the Eagles kind of consider them different positions. So I think you're right. I think it's about those those four off-ball linebackers and which two of those. You know Hassan Reddick's going But Hassan Reddick's job is go get the quarterback. Yeah. That's, that's going to be his job. And it's going to be interesting to see how they sort of manipulate the edge rushers. Is it going to be Josh Sweat and Hassan Reddick? Is it going to be Brandon Graham? How much of that? They're very deep in the front seven for the first time in a long time. And the more you look at this team, and maybe it is the, you know, maybe we have too much time to think about this stuff in the offseason, but they do look good on paper. And I'm the negative one, Ed. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, that's true. But I I love Kaiser White in this defense. I think, you know, his strengths play to what Gannon wants to do. And they need somebody to, you know, match up against the tight end uh you know the tight ends and you know killed this team last year and i think yeah. white is pretty good in coverage and i think he gives them that extra layer of protection in the coverage game and um you know it, it was funny like we saw you know sticking to those overhang players you know we saw Derek barnett and brandon graham getting some outside linebacker work too yeah right? yeah dropping them in coverage um so when you talk about the versatility you have to talk about that front seven because there's plenty of versatility and so many different things Gannon can do week to week with these players. And that's what he talked about last year is he didn't want to kind of define any one position, right? He wanted guys to, you know, play multiple positions and keep offenses kind of off balance, but he didn't have the personnel really to do it, or even maybe the time to do it, you know, in his first season, hit the ground running, getting used to being a defensive coordinator, getting used to your personnel, and then the season's here and they're working, you know, on game planning each week. So, you know, now he kind of knows what these players can do and he can start cross training them a little bit more and then see what he has. And I, I think it's going to make this defense even more tough or tougher, I should say, for offenses to match up against. But now you mentioned something a little bit earlier, Ed, about health. And, and obviously that's a big part of the NFL. That's kind of baked into this whole thing. Everybody's got to stay healthy. We all understand that. We're as healthy as possible. But the Eagles have um, tried to legislate health, I guess, is the best way I would describe it, by scaling back on, on the off-season work. Um you know, under the CBA, which if you talk to most coaches, Ed, they will tell you 13 practices is not enough. Um, So that's what the Eagles had at their disposal. If they chose to use it, they ended up doing six. Um, 
So less than 50%. Um, couple questions on this. And I think it's unfair. And for the Eagles as a whole, if you think about, these are organizational decisions. And Nick Sirianni has got to go up and explain them to us and reporters. And you go back to Doug Peterson. I always like to bring up the White House. When the Eagles won the Super Bowl, they were going to go to the White House. They, you know, Everyone did dislike the president. Uh, that shifted in, in a different direction. They didn't end up going. Um, and poor Doug Peterson had to go up there and talk about it. And I always said, that should be Jeffrey Lurie up there. That should be, at the very least, Howie Roseman. But no, it's the head coach. And I get the feeling much lesser in this circumstance. But still, Nick Sirianni's not the guy declaring this. Nick Sirianni's not the guy that doesn't want to be out there and practicing. But Nick Sirianni has to explain it. Number one, do you think that's true? Or do you think Nick's on board? And number two, do you think that's fair for the Eagles to ask their head coach to explain things like this? Well, I, I I think Nick's in on these conversations. I really do. Well, I know he's in on the conversation, yeah. but and, and I think he's okay with it. I mean, and listen, I don't think they even practiced six times. I think it was only five when you factor in the fact that they were supposed to practice on June 9th, right? This past Thursday, and they didn't. Um, you know, we asked. You know, or, uh, Nick was asked on Wednesday if they were going to practice on Thursday, and he said no, they weren't going to practice. So that that to me leaves five. OTA practices and you know we're old school we want to see them out there you know doing this and uh, practicing and getting better and how do you know your team is getting better if you're not practicing on the field but I thought Nick did a pretty good job in defending the organizational decision on this which I do think he is a part of I think he's on board with this and that is you know hey we had an extra week of weightlifting you know in phase one which cut into our OTAs and Hard to argue. Guys look, you know, pretty jacked up. Look at Brandon Graham. He looks huge. Um, I thought yeah, David Taylor yeah. looks bigger. Jalen Hurts it looks stronger. Um, so, you know, they had the extra week of weightlifting. Then he said, you know, we had rookie developmental periods, which the media and nobody else saw. So it was kind of like two different sessions. You know, they had the, the rookies practicing another uh, dozen or so seven-on-seven seven plays after the regular uh, veteran practice was finished. Uh, and then he said, you know, and I thought this was a good point. You don't want guys to get stale uh, by practicing too much and doing the same things. Um, so they used this time to work on technique and fundamentals and to really drill those over and over and over again. And Brandon Graham said he thinks it's a smarter approach uh, to to work on those issues instead of going out there and, you know, hitting every day and uh, this and that. I'm not sure it really helps the injury front because they took this same approach last year and they lost Brandon Graham in week two. They lost Isaac Siamalu early on. They lost Davion Taylor late in the season. Uh, they had some injury lists that were pretty lengthy. So I don't think there's any way to, you know, legislate against injury, but I do think <clears throat> there is a way to keep the body fresh, uh, you know, keep the legs strong and, you know, responding to what you want it to do and to stay mentally sharp and, you know, banging on each other every day in the spring, I don't think it's going to achieve any of those uh, uh, goals. I mean, you know, you're going to still be, you're going to be sore. I know you have some time to recover, but I, I like it. I mean, I'm coming around to it. I, you know, like I said, I want to see them out there doing 11 on 11, doing a little bit of hitting, 
uh, work the offensive and defensive lines. I mean, what must Jordan Davis think coming from college where they probably hit a lot? Yeah, Georgia? yeah. And he yeah. comes here and he's like, well, you know, what am I going to get to hit somebody? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and well, and, uh, yeah. And, so, I, you know, but I think it is an organizational decision. But I think Nick, obviously, he's in on those talks. I think he's OK with it. I think he, he's fine with this approach. Um, and we'll see if more teams don't go this direction um, going forward. It's certainly different. They Not many teams, I would say, practiced five times or fewer. Yeah. They were the only one of two teams that didn't have that mandatory mini camp where you usually do see some hitting. Uh, them and the Bengals, they were the only two. So, I, I, you know, old school, I hate seeing it, but I'm coming around to it. Well, I do like Nick's explanation of cutting out 11 on 11. It's because you can't hit anyway. You can't put the pads on anyway. Yeah. So why you out there and, you know, you're telling Jason Kelsey, all right, go half speed. Uh, and he mentioned Fletcher Cox as well. Guys like that, you know, it's kind of tough to tell him to go, you right. know, hey, so why are they out there? So I'd like the fact that they cut it down to, to seven on sevens. And for the most part, I say all the time, I don't think the Jason Kelsey's and Fletcher Cox's of the world need spring work. I, I mean, they know what they're doing. They, they, it's not important for them, but I do think it's important for the developmental players and the guys who haven't reached their ceiling as a player. And they're not getting opportunities. That's who I'm concerned about because – I think player development is real. We see it all the time. I, TJ Edwards, we talked about him earlier. I think he's the most underrated player on this football team. I remember talking to TJ back, it might have been last year, might have been when we talked to him in the spring. And he mentioned as an undrafted guy, he, he when he got here as a rookie, he was ninth on the depth chart. Ninth on the depth chart. And now he's the Eagles' best linebacker, and he's sort of like the leader in the clubhouse. Nicobe Dean's got to knock him off. If if TJ Edwards came in in this environment, do the Eagles even notice him? Do they have a chance to notice him? <laughs> I guess the classroom. I, I how do you notice the TJ Edwards? Yeah, I would say classroom is a big part of it, and they are on the field. Like, you know, are they are they transitioning from the classroom to the field? Are they taking what they're learning in the classroom and applying it on the field when they get out there? Guys like Reed Blankenship, you know, there's a role for a safety here. Jared Maiden, who had a really good uh, spring, you know, in the two hours. In the two hours, see. he was he was one of my top five. I, I saw. Yep, yep. Good good story on the five under the radar uh, free or. Uh, uh, five under the radar Eagles during spring and Jared Maiden was on your list. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, I think that, you know, there's opportunity to be, to kind of show what you can do as long as you're, you know, retaining what they're teaching you and taking it on the field. Yeah. You, you can find that out. Uh, you know, I think, look, every, every football player is physically gifted and every NFL player is physically gifted in some form or another. And again, Brandon Graham made this point. You know, they're here because of their physical gifts. Now it becomes a mental game, like what's between the years. And and that's kind of what Sirianni is preaching is, you know, you have to learn the mental side of this game. You have to learn the fundamental and technique until you can do it in your sleep. And Jason Kelsey's talked about that as he's gone over run fits with Jeff Stoutland for the last six years. He can do it in his sleep. And that's what yeah. you want. You want that muscle memory where you're not out there thinking and then you can let your physical gifts take over. 
Um, and, you know, listen, again, it's the spring. You don't want to get nicked up going into this uh, six or seven week down period, having to rehab something that popped up while you were going too hard in the spring. And we've seen players that hit when you're not supposed to be hitting. It can get pretty physical when guys are just in shells. You know, you don't have to have pads on. It's still pretty uh, intense sometimes, these practices in shells, that they can be. Um, but I think at training camp, you know, we're going to see a lot of hitting when it comes to practicing in Cleveland and practicing in Miami. Um, may not see a whole lot of it in Philadelphia, you know, for the fans that show up to training camp. But, you know, they're going to get their chance to hit come late summer and they're going to get that physical part of it down. They're going to they're going to be able to work on those physical tools. But I think it's the right approach right now. And especially yeah. when you Brandon Graham say, hey, it's what's between the years. We're all here because we're physically gifted athletically. And now we got to just translate the mental part of the game into what we can do physically. Joint practice champions, Ed Kratz. 4 yeah. 0 last year. Can yeah. they go 4 0 this year against the Cleveland Browns, Miami Dolphins? They're going to be on the road. It's going to be more yeah. difficult. Against two uh, very good teams, too. I mean, you know, teams with yeah. very good rosters, very um, talented rosters. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it'll be good, good tests uh, this summer for them. Uh, a little bit better than last year. I think uh, the Jets are obviously the Jets. They're getting a little bit better. But last year, not a very talented team. And New England, if you think about, uh, you know, they were sort of rebuilding as well with Mac Jones. And Cam Newton was still there at the time, taking all the first team reps. Mm-hmm. Um, so they weren't great. The, 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 the talent they should see this summer should get them ready because Cleveland is a really good football team. Don't know if they're going to have the quarterback situation because of everything's going on. Miami, same thing for different reasons, a very talented uh, roster, but do they have the quarterback to take advantage of it? Maybe all three of those teams. It's apropos. That's going to be a theme. I just came up with a theme for those. (laughs) those. Put it in your notebook. Put it in your notebook so we can revisit it. Uh, yeah. you know, this, I just this came August, up with the but... theme just like that. He is Ed Kratz, at yeah. Kratz E on Twitter, <laughs> SI.com, backslash NFL, backslash Eagles, EagleMaven.com is the easiest, easiest way to get there. Ed, I'll leave you with, with this. I got to ask you about Niagara Falls because I haven't been there in, I was trying to think about 20, 25 years maybe. Uh, how many times have you been there? What, what's the first time? I want to know how much it's changed. Do you have that dichotomy? Of, uh, uh, is, or is this the first time? I don't know. Is this the first time you've been there? I, I had been there for This is my fourth time, actually. Oh, so um, you know. Yeah, but the first two were very, you know, quite a while ago. Uh, the most recent prior to this past trip was uh, when the Eagles played in Buffalo uh, three years ago in 2019. I I drove up, took the, my wife and my and two of my daughters, um, and the girl. My girls loved it, and I don't think it's really changed at all, you know. But it's funny because the falls they keep talking about how they're eroding like three feet every year, and I'm not sure if the erosion's got them going down smaller and smaller or back further, you know, into the land. Um, but they still look the same height to me. It's still a pretty breathtaking view when you look at it, um, but. When we went in, at the end of October in 2019 when the Eagles played the Bills, there were Eagles fans, of course, all over. So you're on the Maid of the Mist, you know, that ride that brings you right yeah, up to the falls, yeah. which was spectacular. And you're yeah. hearing Eagle chants, E-A-G, on the boat, and you know, which was which was fantastic. 
Um, but there were none of those Eagle chants this year, um, of course. But uh, that was a pretty cool experience to be at Niagara Falls listening to these Eagle chants break out every now and then. But I still think it's a great experience if you haven't been there or it's been a while. Um, it hasn't changed a lot, but the attractions are still there and, the, and there's still a lot of fun to do. And it, it, like my daughter said, you know, I stare at these falls and it's still breathtaking every time you look at them. You know, it is unbelievable. Keep, yeah, it, it, it's cool. Yeah, it and the water's really cool. like green and it's clean and it's clear and it's just it looks it, it's just, um, you know, it's just a really nice experience. And then, like I said, we went up to Toronto where the Hockey Hall of Fame is and the CN Tower and there's some things to do in Toronto. And it's only about an hour, hour, 15 minute drive. So it's not bad. Um, so, yeah, I think it's a great trip. And Niagara Falls is a, is a really one of those you know, national landmarks that you should go see. And I know the Eagles are going out to uh, Arizona in October. The Grand Canyon's sitting there, too. There we go. I know. beautiful. uh, Now, your wife gets you all these deals, right? See, I don't don't know where you have time to figure this out. I got to get my wife on this stuff. Yeah, she's the one. She loves planning all this travel stuff, and I just, I'm just along for the ride. It's the same when we got married. I'm like, honey, just tell me the day and the time. (laughs) where I pick up my tux and I'll be there. And it's kind of the same way with the vacation stuff. She does all the planning, books, all the hotel, the travel breaks it all down. So, uh, you know, I don't have to mess with it. I just go with the flow. Best, best way to go. And you went with the flow. I appreciate you getting up early. Ed Kratz, Birds 365. We haven't had you in a couple of weeks. So the, the, the listeners have been clamoring for their, <laughs> their, their segment with Ed Kratz. There you have it. SI.com backslash NFL backslash Eagles. Read Ed there. You can read me there as well. Um, appreciate it, Ed. Uh, see you. you soon. Uh, enjoy the rest of your summer. Obviously you're going to be back on first 365, but Absolutely. thanks Look again. Forward to it. You got it, John. See ya. And uh, we're going to, oh, Xander Krause popping up. Uh, John, I'm just popping in real quick. We're having more technical issues. I'll let you get to the break, but Tone with technical issues, the storm's in the area. They're messing with everyone this morning. Oh, wow. Tone's having technical issues. So we're really, we'll see what happens when we come back. That's the exciting part of Birds 365. I'm the only one not having technical issues, and maybe Xander Krause is back. More Birds 365 after the break. Go for the polls. And the pools. Go for the ooze. And the oz. Go for the bubbles. And the bubbly. Go for the story. And the stories. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that.
Action News, we cherish every moment, and it's our profound responsibility to bring you closer to your world. Never miss a moment. Trust the people at Action News. All right, did you know I was the Mommy Slam Dunk Champion? Really? <laughs> yes, really, don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready, all right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So go to right, go to left, fake a mama. Mama, go up, oh, mama! She did it. Again? You can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh huh. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Yeah, welcome back to a Monday Technical Problem Edition. Here we go. I'm up with Xander Krause. I've had Jody McDonald, Tone DeShields, Ed Kratz. Thank him for stepping by. So a lot of storms in the Delaware Valley uh, creating havoc with Internet around. So we're doing our best to get you um, through Monday here on Burst 365. Thanks for Xander for hopping back in. Um Devin Allen, uh, you and I were talking a little bit off air. That's going to create some buzz. That's going to create some excitement. Devin Allen, the third fastest time in history, Xander Krause. That's pretty good, Johnny Mac. <laughs> yeah. The New York City Grand Prix, uh, USA uh, Track Federation, 110-meter hurdles, uh, Devin Allen, already a two-time Olympian, runs a 12.84. Again, third fastest time in history. The record, by the way, for those who want to know, is 12.80. So he was that close. And that was set by Aris Merritt in 2012 in Brussels, Belgium, for you track bands, or if Ruben Frank is listening. Uh, 12.84, Devin Allen. You know, he hasn't played football in six years. For those who don't know Devin's history, he did play football at Oregon. And he wasn't, you know, he was a he was a good player. And he was a, a, a good receiver. And he decided, look, I, I have a chance to be an Olympian. You know, you really have to concentrate on that if, if you want to accomplish that goal. And he had to make a difficult decision. Uh, and he chose track and field, probably made the right decision at the time because he has made the Olympics twice. Now, you fast forward to where we are now, Xander, and he's thinking to himself, I believe he's 27. And he said, if I'm going to do it, I have to do it now and try to make the transition back to football but he's still running track. My, um, my, well, not to cut you off, my head goes to one thing with Devin Allen, John, and that's special teams. Can he yeah, catch the kick ball? Returner. Kick returner. And yeah. if he can catch the ball, you got to assume that he's better. 
Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. More, there's more potential uh, for playmaking or explosive plays to happen with him back there than, than what we had last year. Well, I'm, I, I will say this, because we asked Michael Clay, he spoke, um, I don't, it wasn't last week or the week before, kind of all runs together, but we did mention Devin Allen, and Michael Clay was like, mm, Devin Allen? Um, and he said, and he went into the hasn't played in six years. And remember, Michael went to Oregon. Michael's an Oregon guy. Uh, he played football there. So he's very well aware of Devin Allen, what he can do, his his um, potential. But you could tell by the way he was talking, and this is where I want to temper Eagles fans a little bit in the fact that, um, you know, I think the plan is here. Get him into camp. Remember, he didn't get any offseason work because he tested positive for COVID. Um, so he wasn't even at OTAs. Um, obviously, he's healthy enough to get back and run a 12.84. So he's fine. But, you know, you still have those hurdles you have to get over, and he couldn't do that work. And um, so he's not going to do anything till they get to training camp. And 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 then he's going to stop the track stuff. He says until after the Super Bowl, and um, he's crossing his fingers there. Um, but can he help the Eagles in in twenty twenty two? I think this is more about seeing what he has in training camp, trying to get him up to speed, trying to ramp him up, getting him on the practice squad, get him through waivers and then see what you have a year or two down the line. On the other hand, if there's one thing you can do, you know, it's probably not going to be a receiver, right? He's not going to run routes. He's not going to do things like that. There's one thing you can do. It's kick return. Just catch the ball and go. Two things there, though, Xander. One, there's maybe two kickoff returns a game in the NFL. Do you really want to waste a 53-man roster spot on somebody who does nothing else? That's number one. And number two, there is a decision-making part of it, which you see with Jalen Rager. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Percent, yep. So it's not like – there are some times, and and teams will try to take advantage if they sense, look, this guy's not, you know, this guy's not ready, they might – they might mortar kick it. They might pooch kick it. They might force him to make a decision that's maybe a bad decision. I don't know. Uh, that 12.84 on the 110-meter hurdles is getting people too excited, Xander Cross. Yeah. Well, I don't want to spend too much time on Devin Allen, but I did think that was pretty notable. It's one thing to run a really fast time. <clears throat> it's another to place yourself like among the world, the fastest ever in ever. This- yeah, which is pretty impressive. Um, but, John, I want to move off this real quick, and I want to ask you a question. You've been down there for 
anytime there's been availability to the press. You've been present. You've been questioning, you know, questioning the coordinators at the conferences, the players, blah, blah, the whole nine yards. What's the, what does it feel like this year going into this season? Last year, it felt like, you know, you had Nick Sirianni, you had the drama of his press conference, whatever, you know, whatever you want to make of that. What does it feel like going into the, is the, is the inside of that locker room feel as good about this season or does it seem like they feel as good about this season as the outside does? I do a lot on the Jacob channel. I produce the whole channel. So I see all the comments, the fans are fired up. The, the commenters, the listeners, the people, the 209 people watching us right now, they're fired up. They're ready. They're excited about the acquisitions. And I, I think they should be. I think, you know, how we did a really nice job this off season. And by the way, like, share, and subscribe. I got to get that in for the 212 people uh, watching live and the many thousands more that will watch on demand at jacobsports.com or our our YouTube channel. Uh, Xander, you know, it's interesting. I I think this team thinks they're really good. I think they have a chance to, to, to be a really good team, and I think they have a chance to be a really good team. You know, of all the people, the one tempering things the most has been Howie Roseman. Um, Because I think he's been through this before. Uh, And he understands how many hurdles there are uh, to being a a good NFL team. It could be an injury here. could be an injury at the worst position possible. could be an injury where – or a number of injuries where you don't have a ton of depth. You know – and, but if they stay healthy, like Dallas Goddard is a perfect example. Look, that's a top five tight end in this league. I talk about it all the time. To me, and I said this last week on the show, we're talking about best pure football player. Not most important because obviously Tone and I talked in the opening of the show, that's always going to be the quarterback because of how much is on their shoulders. Um, but just – best pure football player at their particular position. I think Dallas Goddard is the best player on the Eagles. What if he gets hurt? You think Dallas Goddard's better as a tight end than Jordan Mailata or Lane Johnson are as offensive tackles? Yeah, I think he's, I think he's, he's that good. Um, And that's not. And a lot. I mean, you got Jason Kelsey at center. He might be. Yeah. in the NFL. I think it and it is. And people always take people always take it the way you just take it. They take it as an insult to somebody. Well, else. yeah, I don't take it as an insult, but I, I think it I take it as high, high praise yeah. for yeah. that Because I think he's that good. I think he's that good and that unique. In fact, there's only one other tight end who can do everything he does, and that's George Kittle. Because most of the guys, Travis Kelsey, right. you know. Everybody loves Travis Kelsey, and they should. He's one of the best receiving tight ends um, who has ever lived. You don't want him blocking people. Dallas can do everything. Yeah. Um, and and George Kittle can do everything. And I just think he's really, really good. That's not a slight at Lane Johnson, not a slight at Jason Kelsey, not a slight at Jordan Mailata. As I look at it, you know, Lane is getting a little bit older. Jason's getting a little bit older. Um that's the realism. It's a it's a quick moving league. Um, you know, are you ascending? Value would be 
Darius Slay at corner and Slay would be the obvious. Slay Slay will tell you he's the best. Um, I'm sure he and, will. Which and, I, and I love that about Slay because yeah, I think that crucial to being successful as a cornerback in the NFL. Just he's got long. he's got tremendous competence. Um, and he it is crucial, and he's a great player. But you know, just be where like Slay. We talked about Devin Allen. Slay wants to race Devin Allen. All right, dude, you're gonna lose. I mean, you know, yeah. I always laugh that Tyreek Hill wants to still race Usain Bolt. You're insane. Shut up. Uh, these are track stars. Um, they're on a different level. Um, but you need to have that confidence. Um, and yeah, I mean, Slay's in the conversation. They have good. AJ Brown's in the conversation for being the best Eagles player. Um, I think fair. I mean, I think that's fair. Yeah, they're all, and that's the point. You know, there wasn't, there was a time a very short while ago where we weren't talking about AJ Browns and Darius Slays, and you know, Lane Johnson was having his ankle issues, and um, there weren't a lot of good players on this team. Um, now there are a lot of good players, and that's a good thing, Sander. That's a very good the thing. thing. The other thing to throw into that is not just are there good players, but the age of the team. I remember like after we won the Super Bowl, it was like this really big talking point, how the average age of the Eagles was like over 30 or whatever, whatever. I don't know exactly what it was and I don't, I can't, you know, rewrite it, but that's what I remember the talking point being that now you look at some of the talent you mentioned Dallas Goddard, Jordan Mailata, AJ Brown, Devonte Smith, I mean, they have a really re- – Jalen Hurts, 24, whatever he is. They have a really young core of good, talented players. If they progress like peop- like half of what people are hoping for, I think there's good things. Well, yeah, and that's, you know, where the pressure and yeah. comes on Jalen Hurts. I mean, let's be honest because we are, you know – talking about list season, how I started the show with Tone and the fact that, you know, all of a sudden, you know, the Eagles haven't had a a thousand yard receiver in forever. Now people are talking about they've one of the best receiving groups in the NFL. The offensive line, it's been that way for a while. So there are certain positions where they have been defensive line as well. They're generally very strong at linebacker, one of the best linebacking groups they've had in years. Um, maybe not to the level of receivers, at least on paper, but still much better than it has been. Cornerbacks, you know, all of a sudden you have Slay and Bradbury. Um, you got to go back to at least Sheldon Brown and Lito Shepard, at least from a reputation standpoint. It's been a while. Um, so that's the point where Howie's done a very good job. But I do find it interesting that Howie's the one who, and he's done this a couple of times, and he's done it on on certain shows. I he did it with the Sports Take guys uh, here on Jacob uh, Sports, um, and he's done it behind the scenes, uh, to be honest. Uh, and he's you know trying to put a dampener, I think, because some people are just taking this and saying, "All right, this is a really really good team." Right. You still have the Rams, you still have the Packers and Aaron Rodgers, you still have the Bucs and Tom Brady. And people look at it and say, well, the Packers lost to Bonte Adams. Well, um, 
the Bucks lost some offensive linemen. Uh, Ali Marpet retired. Still uh, got left. Max. All right. And Jody said this to his credit before the playoff game. When there were a lot of Eagles fans saying, we want Tampa Bay, we want yeah. Tampa He said, no, no, you don't. You don't want Tampa Bay. And it's not just Tom Brady, but <laughs> that's a big part of it, Xander. That is a big, big part of it. Aaron Rodgers, Matthew Stafford, Tom Brady. Yeah, I mean, that's, 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 as, that's as big of a part of it as, as the mall, like you just said. I want to go, John, to the corners. You, you caught my attention with the corners, just looking at how big the addition of James Bradbury <laughs> was. And, I mean, even last year, they signed Steven Nelson, and, and he was a good, solid corner. But the James Bradbury signing felt different than that. I mean, obviously, it happened much earlier. It was a much different thing, but it felt like it was like, wow, they added another good starting caliber that started a lot of games, which I think is important, to the roster. That whole conversation we had with Tay Gowan. I don't even know. The, I don't even, I, I can't even remember. Yeah, so, Tay Gowan, Gary Vincent, Mac yeah. McCain. What, what, where are we staying with them? Are they slotting in for cornerback three? I know Avante Maddox is your obvious corner, <clears throat> but um, – Yeah, how, I mean, Devontae's the, the nickel corner. Um, and then uh, it was interesting because the way Nick Sirianni and – how we talked about it in the off season. It seemed like Tay Gowan and Kerry Vincent would be in the mix to be those backup corners at least. And people were talking about, okay, who's going to start Zach McPherson or Tay Gowan. Um, so Zach is. I guess. That, are you splitting hairs at that point, John? Yeah, you are. But it, it is interesting that Mac McCain so the starting corners were Darius Slay, James Bradbury, Avante Maddox, um, two outside corners in the slot. The backups were Zach McPherson, no surprise, Mac McCain on the outside, Josiah Scott in the nickel, no surprise except for Mac McCain. The fact that Mac McCain is ahead of Tate Gowan and Kerry Benson, a little bit of a surprise early at least early in the process yeah so all right i just wanted to go there because i know everyone there was like a, a time this off season where everyone talked about that for for because that was after howie made all his moves <clears> it was like, <throat> okay well we need a corner now and everyone was yeah. like exactly guy. he shifted very quick once you know once bradbury got signed but i mean i think all you know all in all if jalen if jalen pulls this together i do i know you mentioned brady rogers stafford I, I, I told Silly, uh, Dan Cilio this, host of the National Football Show, I like the Vikings as a sleeper team this year. They have Kirk Cousins, and that guy throws for a lot of yards. They got great. Yes, players. he does. And they just took the guy who was calling the offense with McVay to be their head coach. You get rid of, uh, you know, the older style coach that they had up there and the Mike Zimmer, and you bring in some of the new blood. I don't know. Maybe it's a Matt Stafford-type turnaround for the Vikings. I hope not, obviously, but – I could see that being out there. They do have a, they do have a pretty talented roster. I know their I know their front office botched the draft, but I think the Eagles are right up there. I mean, I think they are a, are a consider. I think you can considerably call them a contender in the NFC this year, much more so than you could have last year. 
despite being the seventh seed and making the playoffs, you knew that they weren't one of those teams. Well, I, I would say, and this is what the Eagles do well. Um, and I get what you're saying about the Vikings with Kevin O'Connell and Sean McVay, and they might be better, but people get excited about the Vikings because they have a 4,000 yard passer. They have Dalvin Cook. They have Justin Jefferson. They have Adam Thielen. They have Herb Smith coming back um, from injury. They have great, great skill position players. Can't block anybody. Haven't been able to block anybody in a decade. <laughs> Literally, when I say that, just been a terrible bottom five offensive line year after year after year after year. The Eagles build it the right way. It's yeah. not sexy. Um, I don't know if that's st- – sorry to cut you. I don't know if that's Stoutland or that's Howie or it's Lori or whoever the heck it is. Inside. Andy Reid. Andy, Andy Reid started it. Even after Andy, I mean, this team – yeah, he did start it. This team has has always had a really good offensive line. As well, long that's as- the thing. That's the thing. Andy started the DNA – and and they understood Andy was right, and they kept it going after after he went on. But you know the thirty third team we were talking about, they did their tier one offensive lines. No coincidence, Eagles are in the tier one. Yeah. Another team in the tier one, Kansas City. No coincidence. No go. coincidence. That's where it all started. The Eagles were smart enough to continue it. It's never sexy. And how we said it again, you can go back to when he drafted Cam Jurgens, and everybody. Why don't you draft a corner? Why don't you draft Nicobe Dean? He said it again. People don't listen. We're always going to default to offensive, defensive line. Always, always, always. When it's even, always going to default to offensive or defensive line. I thought that and was they're a, right. Yeah. I thought that was a really cool comment. And I'm not sure how much of it was uh, media talk or whatever, but I remember a press conference after the draft and how he's like, we had Jurgens. And we had Dean, and when the pick came up, it was kind of a look around, got to go ahead, and, the you know, everyone we knew. And you put the pick in because you know going in, we're going offensive line no matter how good everything else looks, which I think is a good thing. I'm, I never get upset with the offensive line picks. People got upset last year at Landon. I remember I said oh, yeah. produced, I produced draft takes with Derek Gunn. He brought on former Eagle offensive lineman Barrett Brooks, and both of them kind of kind of crap. Nobody, nobody likes the big guys yeah, until everyone's yeah. like, oh, the left side of the line is a beast. Yeah. You know how things change yeah. in just one year. I love the offensive line. All right. Um, we're going to continue talking about offensive line and everything else with the Eagles in the NFL. Bob Clauber from Newsday, their NFL columnist, a great Bob Clauber, set to join us. Hopefully we have so many technical issues. Uh, Bob will be here after the break. If not, Xander will be here after the break. So we'll see how it shakes out here on the Birds 365 Monday. Go for the pulse and the pools. Go for the ooze and the oz. Go for the bubbles and the bubbly. Go for the story and the stories. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com.
field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Welcome back to the show, Birds 365, here on a Monday. The energy see Bob Cloudbird, the great Bob Cloudbird, national NFL columnist from Newsday. Bob, I have to tell you right off the bat, Jody McDonald having technical issues, so you're stuck with me. Um, but I'm thrilled to have you. And, that's an up, that's the upset, John, that he's yeah. having technical difficulties and I'm not. Yeah, a lot <laughs> of storms in the area. We're yeah. all on the East Coast, obviously, so we're we're having a bunch of technical issues. But I'm thrilled to have you, Bob. Uh, good to see you. Um, Hey, John, is the John is this is the is the uh, picture centered? I'm, I look like I'm off to one side. I think you were off to one side, but that's uh, your 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 uh, camera. Yeah, there you go. Now hey. we can see we can see all the books. Now I know you've the read books, all, see all the garbage books. on the floor. Go ahead. Yeah, that all all that stuff. No, well, I always say I'm I'm a writer. Bob is an author, so that's different. Bob is a is a higher level. The Forgotten I, First. I'm gonna I'm gonna pimp that great book. I've read it, <laughs> tremendous, and and we'll talk about that. But I do want to get into some NFL issues first. And obviously, um, in Newsday, you're based in New York with the Giants and Jets, two teams. In a lot of ways, Bob, I call this the I-95 draft because you thought about where the Eagles were in the process when they started before they started making all the moves. They had three first round picks. You had the Giants and the Jets with two each in the top 10. 
Where are the Giants and the Jets with all these changes? Which team do you think is a, a little bit ahead? Because it, I, for the first time in a long time, Bob, I'm starting to think the Jets might be ahead of the Giants. I think that is a correct read, John, um, because for a couple of reasons. The general manager there, Joe Douglas, has now had three years. He worked yeah. in the Eagles front office, so people there should be familiar with him. And uh, So he's had three years to kind of redo this roster. Now, that first year was a little weird because he inherited Adam Gaze. Gaze actually brought him to the organization. And if uh, Joe Douglas turns out to be the real deal, the Jets can thank Adam Gaze for bringing him. <laughs> I'm serious because they were very close in Chicago. Yeah. And Gaze, uh, you know, put in, put in the good work. But he's had time. But that first year, he went with Gaze and it just didn't work out. So, it was a it was the a roster that was kind of stuck in a transition for a year too long. Normally, when a GM comes in the first year, so that said, he's got a quarterback, um, and and I think that's important. Now, Zach Wilson is not Aaron Rodgers. He's not Joe Namath. He's not Joe Montana. He's not any of that. But he's a a young quarterback with talent and an upside. So he had a rocky first year. The fact that he's coming back to a, a team that has had a good offseason in terms of roster improvement, um, the fact that he knows the system uh, a year in, uh, the fact that there are better things around him gives the Jets a chance. Now, you go to the Giants. Now, Daniel Jones has been there. This is his fourth year. Yeah. But in, 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 these, in this time, he's kind of shown who he is. And that's – I like this quote, good, not great. And maybe good – is stretching it a little bit because he just has not been consistent. So I think the Jets are ahead of the Giants in terms of the roster building process. Um, I don't know if it's going to be better record-wise, but it should be. Now, you mentioned good, not great with Daniel Jones, Bob. It, you know, the one thing you have if you're playing is the luxury of playing time. If you're playing well, nobody's going to take you off the field. I mean, that's, you know, that's the bottom line. However... You, you get the sense, and I'm on the outside looking in, you get the sense that the Giants are doing this rebuild. And the plan is, after this year, we can start kick-starting, start looking for the quarterback. Doesn't seem like there's a lot of belief in Daniel Jones. Is that the right take on it? Totally, totally accurate take, totally logical, and you're spot on, John. And they don't want to say that. They don't want to say, yeah, we don't think of Daniel Jones is the guy. Of course not. Right? They're, they're trying to run a franchise. But the fact that they did not give him a fifth-year option, what, what else do you need? You know, what, yeah. other, what other clue do you need to know that this team does not believe long-term in Daniel Jones? Now, he can change the narrative. How does he do that? He, he has a great season. And he shows that in Brian Dable's system, which is much more quarterback friendly than Jason Garrett's, that he, he has a chance. So it will cost the Giants $8 million more in terms of applying the franchise tag as it would have been to give him a fifth-year option. That's, that's chump change in this league, right? Yeah. So they have the ability, they have the flexibility to deal with him down the road if he puts together a season that is beyond expectation. 
Now, the one thing that Daniel Jones has going in his favor is, you know, the one time he was in a, in a system that was quarterback friendly, more quarterback friendly than the one that Jason Garrett had, um, was with Pat Shermer in year one. And he threw 24 touchdowns and 12 interceptions. In, he started in week three, right? So he replaced Eli after week two. So he has shown that, you know, when the system is right, he can, he can thrive in that. Uh, he did have a problem with turnovers in terms of fumbling. But he threw 21 touchdowns combined in the last two years under Jason Garrett's system. Well, you bring in a quarterback-friendly head coach, Brian Dable, you know, who, who developed Josh Allen in a, in a, in a very meaningful way. And, and you see what happens. You, you roll the dice and, and give it a shot. And the backfield, Bob, is is just as interesting to me because you have Saquon Barkley, who, you know, I, I'm. It, it's pretty evident, um, and and we can talk about the valuation of the running back position. And I'm certainly in that category that you probably shouldn't be drafting a running back that high in the draft to begin with. Um, but going all the way back there, that's spelt milk at this point. Is that a situation where the Giants and, you know, Saquon's had injury issues as well, but if he stays healthy, it could this be a situation where they're like, let's give him the ball 300 times, we're moving on anyway, and let's see what happens with this. And in and, and a lot of ways, that's unfair, but I could see it happening. Yeah. I don't know about 300 times. That's a lot, man. That is a lot. <laughs> it but is a we've lot. seen teams yeah. – We've seen teams do that. Yeah, yeah. You feed, you feed, you keep feeding them. Um, I, I don't see that though. I don't see three. I don't see a, a, a workhorse type situation here where they're just going to put the offense on his back. They will give him a lot, but you, you got to remember he's had two, the really three straight seasons in which he's he's lost time because of injuries. Yeah, and he had a bad knee injury. Um, two years ago, he had a bad ankle injury last year on a freak play against Dallas early in the season. He's healthy now. And what we've seen so far in these offseason workouts, and look, that's not going to be their game plan, but, you know, it gives you an indication of what they might have in mind for Saquon Barkley. They're moving him around a lot. They're lining him up as a tailback. They're lining him up as a flanker, um, split out wide. So they're doing a number of things to try to bring out the best and the most in Saquon Barkley and try to make it easier for Daniel Jones to at least have a safe outlet. I mean, the best thing you could do for Daniel Jones is have him drop back and throw that swing pass to Saquon Barkley in space and have him go 50, right? Everything yeah. looks good. Everything looks good there. It's safe. It's not going to happen all the time, but that's the idea. They want to get him into space. Uh, Bill Parcells, he, he used it derisively about running backs who – called them satellite running backs like reggie bush satellite you know yeah. and you gotta put them out in space now you know parcells himself prefers a, a good between the tackles runner um, but that's not what barkley is and i think that the giants made the mistake of kind of treating him that way the last two years when he was on the field you know kind of pounding him up the middle that's you know he could do that but that's you're not getting the most out of him when, when you do do that you mentioned Brian a couple of times, Brian Dayball taking over as the head coach, you know, for years and you know, this covering the giants for as long as you have, this was one of the most, you know, consistent, um, stable organizations in the NFL. And then all of a sudden they move away 
from Jerry Reese. And all of a sudden you have, you have McAdoo and you have a new coach every two years, it seems. And you mentioned Pat Shermer a little bit and obviously Joe judge. Um, obviously it's tremendously early and it's about more than, than Brian Dayball. You have Mike Kapka, our old friend here in Philadelphia. So the offensive coordinator, Wink Martin, Martindale is the defensive coordinator. Do you think the Giants finally got it right with the coaching staff? I am cautiously optimistic they got it right, uh, not only with the coaching staff, but with Joe Shane as the general manager. And that probably is the most overarching, important thing there because Dave Gettleman, the, his tenure was a, an unmitigated disaster. You know, I mean, you, you got to face it. it. It just, that team went from bad to rock bottom. And it hasn't been that bad in this town for over a, over a sustained period of time since the 1970s. And, John, you know, the fumble when Herm Edwards scooped up that yeah. fumble from Joe Pisarczyk to Larry Saka, that was 1978. And and that's, that's a long time to go between rock bottom eras. But that's how bad it has been for the Giants. You know, lack of stability at the coaching position and bad – uh, personnel decisions by the general manager. And I think the one mistake that John Mara, the team owner made was, you know, he, he hired Gettleman thinking he was going to get stability, thinking he was going to get the next George Young, let's face it. And George Young was the greatest general manager in franchise history. He's in the hall of fame. He turned that team around after the fumble. Um, yeah. But Gettleman turned out to be a bad personnel guy. He drafted Barkley with number two, instead of a quarterback, he had Josh Allen there. Um, but the problem was after two years, he fired Pat Shermer. He didn't clean house there. That was the problem. So he, it's, it's hiring Dave Gettleman is one thing. Rehiring him was, was the, real, the, the, the real mistake there, if you will. And, and the Giants are still paying for it. So Joe Shane is the guy. And Dable, I think, will be a good head coach. But listen, John, this town's not very patient. Philadelphia's yeah. not very patient either. Um, it's going to be a bad year. It's going to be a bad year for the Giants. So you're going to have to give Brian Dable some patience that, you know, other coaches have not had the last couple of times. Well, yeah, it looks like the Giants are set for the rebuild. I, I think fans will start to understand that. Maybe maybe I'm a little bit wrong because it's been so long and, and both New York football teams have been yeah. down for so long. But I think you see some light with the Jets. I do want to get the national perspective from you because here it's the exact opposite. I think people are skipping steps. I, you know, I call this list season. Everybody's putting out their power rankings, Bob, everybody, you know, pro football focus just said the Eagles, they haven't had a thousand yard receiver since Jeremy Macklin. They say they have the fourth best receiving group in the NFL. Now, obviously their offensive line is, is tier one according to Joe Banner and Mike Tannenbaum at the 30-13. All these, you know, on paper, the Eagles look okay, but you need the quarterback. And Matthew Stafford isn't the quarterback, and Tom Brady isn't the quarterback, and Aaron Rodgers isn't the quarterback. What What is your take on the Eagles in their offseason? I think they've had a very vibrant offseason, which Howie Roseman has made a habit of doing, uh, for better or for worse. And I think it's been a, a very aggressive, but I think a smartly aggressive um, effort by, by Roseman and his staff to build around Jalen Hurts. 
the question is, and the question will always be with any team and any young quarterback, is this the right guy? I, I personally think there is a limited ceiling with Jalen Hurts. You know, you don't go in the second round without there being an issue, not in this league. Um, so I, I think he's a terrific leader. I love him as a, you know, as, as an athlete, as a player, as a guy who just he's 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 got what you want for the quarterback position. Uh, guys love playing for him and he is an accountable player. We saw that at Alabama. Uh, we saw wherever he was. But does he have the talent, physically have the talent to be that elite quarterback? I don't think he'll get to elite status. It's got to be. Is he good enough to rally this team with the pieces around him, both on both sides of the ball, not to not screw it up, but to get to a point where they can be competitive. And I'm, I'm talking about not just making the playoffs. I'm talking about doing something in the playoffs. I personally don't see that, but I would love to be convinced otherwise. Is there – I always look at San Francisco and for what the Eagles are trying to build. If you think about what the 49ers have done with Kyle Shanahan and – you have two final four appearances, and I would argue if Nick Bosa doesn't get hurt, maybe, you know, that kind of set things in a negative direction the year they kind of took a step back. And obviously Jimmy Garoppolo is not a superstar quarterback. So as difficult as it is to win without the star, the 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 Bradys, the Rodgers, the, even the Matthew Staffords, um, is is it viable consistently to do what San Francisco has been able to do with Kyle Shanahan and the fact that hey they outplayed Kansas City in the Super Bowl Bob they they yeah. probably should have won that football game um and then you pass forward they were very close to going back again this season is the margin of error just too small? Is that why the 49ers are looking for Trey Lance? Is that why? Is is it just too difficult to do it that way? I think so. I, I, I think that's a good read. And I think it's a very interesting comparison of Philadelphia to San Francisco because that's that's what you've got. You know, they San Francisco built around uh, Jimmy Garoppolo. They built around the, the margins. Um, but if you don't have that big-time quarterback – you're, you're only going to get so far. I mean, John, that team is one overthrown pass to Emmanuel Sanders away from winning a Super Bowl. Yeah. Kansas City, that's that's how close that game was. You know, yeah. props to Patrick Mahomes. He's, he's a legendary player, and he showed in that game. But the fact is they, they could have and probably should have won that game. They didn't. Uh, but you know, and I know, that they see a limited upside in Jimmy Garoppolo. And that's why he will not play for the 49ers anymore. And it's going to be Trey Lance, you know, come hell or high water. And that's going to be a painful process, getting a young guy going. Um, but, you know, that's that's their decision. I mean, that's just the the reality of life in today's NFL is you've got to have the big-time quarterback to really have a reasonable shot at contending for championships. And, you know, it hasn't always been that way. I mean, Brad Johnson won a Super Bowl. Right. That's probably Trent Dilfer won a Super Bowl. Yeah. That that doesn't happen in today's NFL. Just doesn't. And is that in many ways explain why Deshaun Watson is the guy of all people to get the first fully guaranteed not Kirk got a fully guaranteed, but five years 
I think, $230 million fully guaranteed contract with, at the time, 22 civil allegations, which has risen to 24. Does that, does that surprise you at all that this league would go down that route with a player like that? Or is it just, you know, you've been around. Is it just about winning above all else and this guy can play and we're going to, we're going to go down this road. Yeah. Unfortunately it is a league just about winning uh, and they'll do whatever it takes. Um, I think there was enough of a collective sigh of relief after there was no criminal indictment or charge. And that's when you saw the floodgates open up for Deshaun Watson in Indianapolis wanted him. They Texans wouldn't trade him there. Atlanta was really making an effort, Carolina and Cleveland, you know, kind of comes from behind with that. And that really the difference was that guaranteed money as far as I'm concerned, because I think there were viable offers in Carolina and Atlanta. Uh, but yeah, it, it, it is, it does speak to the fact that this league is all about winning is all about quarterbacks. And I don't know that you're going to see guaranteed contracts in that range uh, in terms of the entire contract being fully guaranteed. I think it's an anomaly right now, but the league is certainly trending that way. And, and you know, back in the day, there, there were just no guaranteed contracts in the NFL. Zero. Yeah. They're full now. And it was because of the injury factor. But you know, I think we've seen more and more that quarterbacks are able to play. Quarterbacks in particular are able to play longer. Um, and, and that risk of, of injury is not as prevalent. And, and owners are therefore willing to at least consider uh, the outlier contract if they, they feel that a player is there um, of a certain caliber. When it comes to the penalty phase, I want to get your thought on that, Bob, because from my perspective, Roger, Roger Goodell has always been very, um, I'll say, rabbit ears when it comes to public perception. And I go all the way back to Ray Rice. If, if you remember Ray Rice, uh, the two-game suspension, then the video comes out after, um, and it was awful. And for everyone who remembers it, um, all of a sudden, uh, you had this public outcry, understandably so. And Roger kind of wanted to revisit it, almost double jeopardy in a legal sense. It's not a court, but uh, and he got in trouble from that aspect, trying to re-legislate the penalty. Do you think this league, number one, do you think this league is too cognizant of, of outside public perception and the second part of that, does that mean Deshaun Watson might go from six games to 12 games or maybe even a full season or who knows? People have brought up um, the pitcher in baseball, Trevor, was it? Trevor uh, Bauer, yeah. Trevor Bauer, yeah. uh, which I don't think is going to be that harsh. But just your thoughts on, on the way Rodgers handled the penalty aspect and you, if you think – uh, public perception kind of fuels it. Oh, I think there's no question the NFL is very concerned about public perception. I think Goodell has been over time. He got crushed on the Ray Rice uh, penalty, the initial penalty, rightly so. Two games for, for what happened there was, it was nothing. And that really created a years long problem for him uh, in terms of that situation. But the league did change as far as it's, um, Emphasis on domestic violence, but now you, you come back to Deshaun Watson and, hey, where are you with that? Now, there's one dynamic here, John, that 
plays into it. It's not just Roger Goodell's show here. They changed things around in the discipline phase of it where yeah. there is a mutually appointed um, arbiter here. And, and it's a judge. Um, I, I, do, I do not recall her name, but she will um, have just as much of a say as Roger Goodell here, maybe even a bigger say. Um, ultimately, it's the league's decision. But I do, I do think based on public perception, based on the two additional women who have come forward with charges against and civil lawsuits against the Sean Watson, I, I do think this will be a longer suspension than perhaps it would have been had those things not happened or uh, some other circumstances came to be. So I think this will be a significant suspension. And if it's not, I think there's going to be a huge outcry um, that the league went way, way too, you know, not, not harsh enough um, against, uh, against the Sean Watson. So a lot of people want to know what's going to happen. I think we'll find out within two weeks uh, what that penalty will be. And oh, you think it's going to be that soon? Two weeks? I, do say, I think it'll be by the end of June. Yep. All right. He I is mean, yeah, at... listen, John, you can't, you can't wait much longer. Yeah, that's true. Training camp. You know, you have, to, yeah. you have to decide well before then. And the league shuts down for, the, for most of the month of July. It's, it's got to be done. Yeah. July 4th news dump, maybe that weekend. Uh, well, I, I say if, it, it, if it's going to be a news dump, um, then it's going to be a very light suspension. If ah. it's going to be if it's going to be a harsh suspension, I think it'll be done with uh, plenty of time for uh, the league to. That's make a good point. Case. Yeah, they'll right? like. Yeah, that's yeah, a very good want, point. Probably. If they think the public perception is going to be yes, they got it right. Um, yeah. it, will, it will come out not not on the July Fourth Friday. All right. Speaking of controversy, he is Bob Glauber at Bob uh, Glauber on Twitter. Follow him there at Newsday Sports, the NFL columnist for New York's Newsday, one of the best to ever do it. And with Father's Day coming up, I want to mention Bob's book, The Forgotten First, uh, tremendous book with Keyshawn Johnson, the untold story of the first four African-American players to break the color barrier in pro football, Kenny Washington, Woody Strode, Marion Motley, uh, Bill Willis. So everybody, if you're if your dad is a football fan, make sure you pick that up. It's a tremendous read, uh, Bob. Look at, that, Look at that! I got it. Yeah. <laughs> I I I appreciate you jumping on the show. Sure. And Bob, one more controversy. I can't let you. Jack Del sure. Rio is he going to survive this? Wow. It's a tough one. I think that'll be up to Jack Del Rio. Um, I don't think Ron Rivera wants to fire him. I think the controversy will die down at some point. And it's a matter of whether Jack Del Rio feels he can face the players and the players feel that they can face Jack Del Rio um, and, and him be their leader. I suspect that he will continue as defensive coordinator, but but I could also see a, a parting of the ways. I don't, I don't mean to be wishy-washy on it, but it, it's a tough call. Yeah, you know, we're in charted waters on this yeah. thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's a very tough call. Uh, very difficult situation. Ron Rivera has had so much to deal oh, with, with, uh, with unbelievable. Yep. And he does, he's, he's done a tremendous job and Ron's a difficult guy not to root for, but man, just like to have some smooth waters for Ron yeah. Rivera. Yeah. He has not had it, man, but yeah. he's the perfect coach. 
to kind of get through this uh, series of storms. Um, I, I just don't know how much more uh, a guy can can go through uh, yeah. without it buck buckling under him. Speaking of series of storms, hopefully the next time, and you're certainly going to be back, Bob, hopefully Jody Mack will make it and, yeah. and get past his series of storms. Appreciate it, though, buddy. Thanks for coming on. My, excuse me. My pleasure, John. Always good to talk. I'll see you soon. All right. Thanks, Bob. Uh, more Birds 365 here on a Monday. Jacob Media, uh, jacobsports.com, uh, Jacob Sports on YouTube. Back at the Go for the pulse and the pools. Go for the ooze and the oz. Go for the bubbles and the bubbly. Go for the story and the stories. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. On the field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia Bank. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. You can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor and quality ratings. United Healthcare. Go for the midnight tears. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanocean.com. Back on Birds 365 on Monday. Now I'm getting an echo, Sander Krause. Uh, it's been uh, it's been a trying, but we're here. We're putting a bow on the show. And yeah, how many people? 
How many people have we had to get through this uh, technical uh, difficulty uh, issue of a show? But we're here. Uh, we're almost at the uh, finish line, Xander. Um, you know, I did want to talk about Bob. Bob is tremendous. He has uh, a, a really, really uh, well-versed knowledge of the league dating back years and years and years. Um, and and the issues that seemingly always crop up with this league and Roger Goodell, there has been a bit of a shift, as Bob mentioned. You know, it used to be the judge, jury, and executioner, Roger Goodell. He, he would be in charge of all disciplinary action. Now there's a little bit more of a give and take with an independent arbiter. So it is going to be interesting to see what Deshaun Watson and what that penalty is going to be. And Bob brought up a good point. They got to make the decision soon. Yeah. And if it's harsh and if they think it's going to go over well with the public, they'll probably be really proud of it. On the other hand, if it's six games and there's going to be a lot of people upset, you're probably going to get that July 4th news dump potentially. Is it? I was thinking, John. Is it? I don't know. I don't. I don't obviously, don't know the tech, the the terms of the deal. But it, could they look to void that contract if this gets bad enough? I mean, it just seems to be. You know, someone put it best. You thought that when they signed the contract, this was, and the and the court stuff happened. You thought this was going to move to the rear view. It just seems like like more stuff keeps coming. Yeah. Well, that's the issue when you talk about voiding the contract. Um, yeah, it's a possibility if there's more, like there's more accusations. So Cecilio talks about there's a clause in every contract, conduct detrimental to the team. Yeah, to the yeah, NFL. yeah. The now he he he's fine as far as the 22 allegations that there were no criminal charges in, but the more allegations there are, all of a sudden the authorities they're not beholden to the NFL, they can open up another case. And obviously if that were to happen and he was indicted and then you could start talking about, Hey, potentially voiding the contract. If he was convicted, yeah, you would void the contract. Um, But that's a long way away. And this has been from the start, sort of a, he said, she said type of thing, even though there's a bunch of she's, 66 of them at last count, according to the New York Times. So that's the biggest issue. But from an Eagles perspective, from a Birds 365 perspective, Xander, the Eagles dodged a bullet. Now here's they my – real quick, and I don't want to get too deep into this, but where does – like I get, I know that there's 66, and you can have your opinions and your thoughts about the man and whatever. I, I'm not talking about that. Yeah, I'm talking about the old saying that a grand jury can indict a ham sandwich. Yes, there's 22 counts presented to them for like a year long or however long it was, and they don't send one of them. Yeah, says a lot. Just like I don't know. To me, when I saw that, and this was back before Cleveland made the move for him, I I thought that it it seemed like a little bit of I don't know, a little bit of sketchy stuff going on there. I don't want to speak too much on it because you know. Yeah, you're good. Subject, but- well, I mean, you know, one of the issue is, you know, when remember 
and and John McClain was on the show last week. Right on Friday. Miami had a deal in place to trade for Deshaun Watson at the trade deadline last year. Um, the one caveat was you have to settle these civil suits, and that's when uh, Deshaun offered basically a hundred thousand to all twenty-two women. Uh, Eighteen of them accepted it. Uh, four were holdouts. That's the reason he's not in Miami right now. You know, somebody offers a hundred thousand dollars. Oh, can I get a hundred thousand dollars? You you should at least bring that into the conversation. That that is real. Yeah, but right. from my perspective, here's the issue and why I say the Eagles dodged a bullet. Even in the best case scenario for Deshaun Watson. And, and the best case scenario for him is he's being essentially extorted. Um, even if that's the case, even if you want to default to that, right. this guy's too dumb to run my team on the field to put himself in this position. I don't, I don't, I don't want him. I don't want yeah, him. Yeah. I mean, that's where I'm with you in terms of like, I'm not talking about the off the field stuff. I'll let yeah. the system and the courts and, you know, I'll let the truth come to light that way. But, I mean, being a quarterback of an NFL franchise, you're talking about the, the Denver Broncos just sold for $4.5 billion. What does that make the Philadelphia Eagles worth? Yeah. This is the conductor of that train. You got to make sure that that man has a good head on his shoulders for better or for worse. And I think that's a good point. Point well taken by you. <clears throat> yeah. Jalen Hurts. Um, yeah. He's a yeah. perfect example. I mean, say what you want about his talent. He, he checks every box yeah. for, uh, from that. Yeah. And, you know, just common sense and, and people should, should have that in, in their sort of their back pocket. Uh, But we'll get into that more on Tuesday, uh, Tuesday's edition of birds 365. Uh, Hopefully Jody Mack is back up and running, but we'll see. Recap it. You had, we started John McMullen tone to shields. I thought tone did a great job tone. If you're listening to y'all brother. Then it went the classic John McMullen, Ed Kratz combination. Then it went Johnny Mac, Xander Krause, Johnny Mac, Bob Glaver. Wow, John, you were you were like a you were like a choo-choo train today. Uh, yeah, man. Got to get through it. Yeah, Got to get through it. Hopefully, it'll be a little bit easier uh, tomorrow. I'm trying to think. I got somebody booked for nine twenty, but I can't. That I've been trying to get through the show. Um, I forget. Uh, I don't remember, but. Uh, We'll let you know tomorrow on the show. Uh, hopefully, Jody Mack will be Tuesday, back. Tuesday, 920. That's it. Who? EJ Smith. Uh, EJ. EJ will be back. So EJ is a great uh, follow, follows, uh, uh, great reporter covering the Eagles for the Philadelphia Inquirer. Uh, so he'll be here. We'll have somebody else. I'll be here. I know that. Xander Krause might be here. Tony DeShields oh, might not. be here. Yeah. It's days like today you appreciate Jody Mack. Let's get him back, steady the ship on Birds 365 yeah. a little bit more. Well, come on. you got to give me some credit. Oh, yeah. Well, you yeah. kept the ship steady. Yeah. yeah, I'm talking about let's get this show back yeah. on the rails in terms of, you know, yeah. some continuity. Let's get the rudder. Let's get yeah. the rudder. And I'll do the two and two. Back in two and two. I'll do the Jody Mack. Put a bow on the show. Thanks, Andrew. You've been listening to Birds 365, the destination for the passionate Eagles football fan who bleeds green. If it's Eagles football.
We're talking about it. Debate inside the locker room and guests that are some of the greatest football minds from around the region. We hope you enjoyed the show. We know we had a blast. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on social media at Jacob Sports. See you next time on Birds 365. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue. All in the Kroger app. Get three pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.